This is episode 70 of the Popcast. Welcome to the Popcast, a weekly podcast all about pop culture in three regular segments. We're your hosts, Josh and Maureen Goldman. Have no fear, everybody. Maureen is back on the podcast after a week off. Maureen, welcome back. Thanks, honey. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Were you happy to take a week off? You were at a wedding. I so. was, yes. You in were in Texas. beautiful Texas. How mm-hmm. was that? It was great. It was really good to see my friends from college and the groom, who was our friend, wept during the entire ceremony, and it was really beautiful. How sweet. sweet. Yeah. One of your friends said she couldn't find our podcast, so hopefully she's found it at this point. Shout out to Andrea if yeah. she found out where to find the podcast. I guess I guess we're not on every single podcast platform that there is. So she does not have an iPhone, so she was not listening through iTunes, or not iTunes, the podcast app or Spotify. She was listening through Podcast Addict, something like that. Yeah, I'd never heard of that one before. So if you can't find us you're probably not listening to this but we hope that you let us know if there's an app that you really want to hear us on shoot us a message and we'll do our best to get on it we'll see what we can do maureen should we jump into the snack bag let's do it maureen taylor swift drama again (gasps) of course you know what's going on right no honey come on i live under a rock if it wasn't for you i wouldn't know anything if it wasn't for this podcast you wouldn't know that much well remember we talked uh I don't know, maybe a month or two ago about how Taylor Swift's entire catalog was sold to Scooter Braun. Oh, yes. And she's now re-recording everything so she can own it. She will plan to do that next year. But part of the deal was that she couldn't re-record her music for a certain amount of time. And that expires next year. Well, cut to now. She's being honored as the artist of the decade at the American Music Awards next week. And she wanted to perform a medley of all of her songs. Oh, and they said no. And they said no. <gasps> they, they denied her the use of any of the songs because they said that would constitute her re-recording, even though technically that's not true. But I guess, you know, because she'll be on TV and it w- there'll be a, but a recorded- But are songs? Can't she just perform them? They are, but she doesn't own the rights to the songs, I guess, at this point. That's I mean, I banana. guess that's what was sold. So- Taylor Swift, I don't know what she's going to do at the American Music Awards. Maybe she'll sing some of her new songs. Maybe I think it would be amazing if she just went up there and stood in silence for like five minutes. Five minutes would be so long. That would seem like an eternity. Yeah. And everybody would be like, we do not like Scooter Braun or Scott Borchetta, the owner of Big Machine Records or the former owner. I don't know. It just seems ridiculous that, that they're being they so petty about this. And charge her like extra money or something. I don't know. I mean, I feel like she doesn't want to pay because... Did I just say doesn't? She doesn't want to pay. She doesn't want to pay. I mean, she doesn't want to pay. I mean, she feels like she wrote the songs. They're her. You know, it's her property, even though technically how, how in the legal realm. Them? Yeah. So you know, Big Machine, the her record label, owned the rights to her recordings and I guess to the songs themselves, which maybe maybe that's not the case. Maybe she owns the the. So in music, let me back up a little bit for those of you who don't know. There are two forms of copyright. There's a copyright on the actual recording and there's a copyright on the song, the songwriting part of it. And so she probably owns the rights to the songwriting, but part of but the whole thing, I guess, in the in the purchase of the recordings that Big Machine owned that Scooter Braun now owns, I guess the whole thing was that she wasn't allowed to re-record the music until next year. That was part of the deal. So 
she said she wanted to do it. They said, legally, you can't do it until sometime in 2020. And I guess they said that her performing at the American Music Awards, despite the fact that she owns the rights to play the music because she plays it live, you know, when she's on on tour or anything like that, she's not allowed to play it on the American Music Awards because it's filmed and it will be technically recorded. Seems like pretty petty. Yeah, especially because like that recording is not going to be released as like an album or right, anything. Right, exactly. But I think they're just sort of technicality wise, oh, it will be recorded. Well, they're probably pissed that she's going to re-record it next year and take all their money away. It, it will be interesting to see sort of how she approaches that when she does re-record all of her classics. I mean, for me, as someone who's just sort of a peripheral Taylor Swift fan, I, I would be interested to hear her re-recordings, especially of some of her early music. Yeah, to see if it... How you know, because she has changed sort of to a pop artist as opposed to a country artist, but her first couple of albums were country albums. So it'll be interesting to see her go back and re-record those. But yeah, I think you're probably right. They're just mad. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, hopefully that gets resolved. Maybe she'll get to perform something after all at the American Music Awards. We will keep you posted. Maureen, this past week, did you hear what people did? New Sexiest Man Alive. Did you see? Oh, you did hear something. John Legend. Yes, John Legend. What do you think about that? I think it's great. He's very sexy. Okay, so there has been this thing going around, and even his wife, Chrissy Teigen, has made mention of this, that people say he sort of looks like Arthur the Aardvark. Have you ever... Arthur the Aardvark? Remember Arthur from the TV show Arthur? He doesn't look anything like Arthur. I have seen some pictures side by side, and even his wife, Chrissy Teigen, has commented, made some Instagram, Twitter posts that maybe he does look a little bit like Arthur the Aardvark. And are we now we saying the Arthur the Aardvark is the sexiest man alive? I think that is ridiculous. I've never thought that ever. Well, I don't know if it's something you would necessarily see. Also, can Arthur sing like he can? Because that's part of the sexy factor. And the answer is no. Sorry, Arthur. I'm going to pull up a picture, though, of the side by side. And you tell me what you think. Since we're talking about Arthur, you ever notice that Arthur's ears are on the top of his head and his glasses somehow magically on the side of his head? I really did not watch that much Arthur. Did you? It seems like you were like a super fan. Oh, my gosh. Arthur all the time. Super fan. Okay, Maureen, I am showing you the picture. He doesn't look anything like him. And I apparently, don't, I don't get it. When I Googled John John Legend Arthur memes, the first thing that came up was an L article that was like, John Legend is tired of Chrissy Teigen's Arthur memes. <laughs> so even he is like sick of her making note of that. That's funny. All right. So John Legend, good for you. You know, he takes over the crown from Idris Elba, who was last year's recipient and a good choice, I think. Good choice. Maureen, last snack bag topic before we move on to our premiere topic this week. I saw this article that I thought was really cute, and I just wanted to get your take on it because we have a little child, and when there's celebrities out there, their kids don't care. Their kids don't care that they're celebrities. And case in point, Matt Damon is in the new movie Ford versus Ferrari. Ugh, I can't with this movie. Okay, Maureen, we're not even talking about the movie. I'm going to go see it by myself, and then I will report so back. It got really great reviews, and You're it made You're not allowed it... to see it until I get to go see Downton Abbey by myself. You can myself. go see Downton Abbey by you yourself. You get to see movies by yourself all the time, and I just all I want to do is go to the movies by myself. You have literally never expressed that to me I, in your in life. In the car today, I said I wanted to go see Downton Abbey. But you didn't say you wanted to go see it by yourself. Okay, well, I want to go by myself. And I thought you wanted to take me. The whole idea was that you were going to take me, and we were going to do a Josh's first time no, watching Downton Abbey. No, it's never going to happen. So now I would like to just go by myself so I can Fine. see it in you go one night to see Downton Abbey by yourself, and I will go see Ford versus Ferrari by myself. Okay, great. All right, so Maureen, Matt Damon's daughter, Stella, she's nine. She went to see the premiere of Ford versus Ferrari. And hated it. And she fell asleep twice. I mean, Stella, I'm with you, sister. I mean, I don't think it was necessarily because she was bored, but I think it was late at night. But I just thought that was so funny. You know, 
you think about this idea of like going to a premiere and seeing this big, huge blockbuster movie in theaters. How st- old is she? She's not. What is that rated? Is she like PG thirteen? Oh, okay. I, I mean, it was- it's just funny though because we always think about celebrities as these like otherworldly people sometimes. And Stella, she doesn't care that her dad is I Matt was Damon. Say it's probably boring for her. She's like, this is just my dad over and over. Yeah, she's again. probably like, what is this? This dad make a fun movie for me, make an animated comedy. She doesn't want to see Ford versus Ferrari. <laughs> I'm excited to see it, Matt, if you're listening. if What if Matt Damon was listening to this podcast? Your life would be made. That'd be pretty great. Call in, Matt. We don't have a phone number. Send us an email. That would be awesome. All right, Maureen, should we move on to our premiere topic this week? Yeah, it's a good one. All right. So last year, about this time, we did a ranking and a discussion of the nine episodes of Friends that centered around the Thanksgiving holiday. And that was thanks to a suggestion from one of my former coworkers. And this year... I was trying to think of another show that had a bunch of Thanksgiving episodes, and when I did some Googling, I found out that that such show was How I Met Your Mother, which is a show that Maureen and I watched when it was on TV, and I'll give you a little bit of background on How I Met Your Mother, but just so you know, they did five episodes throughout their run, so they did nine total seasons, so five seasons had Thanksgiving episodes, and for those that don't know, How I Met Your Mother is a CBS sitcom that premiered in 2005 and ran until 2014. The show was created by Carter Bays and Craig Thomas and ran for 208 episodes, The show revolved around the character of Ted Mosby, who in the year 2030 is telling his kids the story of how he met their mother. Ted in 2030 is voiced by Bob Saget, but 99% of the action of the show takes place in the past, with Ted being played by Josh Radner. The show also starred Jason Segel as Ted's best friend Marshall, Allison Hannigan as Marshall's fiance Lily, Neil Patrick Harris as Ted's Lothario friend Barney, and Kobe Smulders as Ted's on-and-off-again flame Robin. So for this particular episode of the podcast, we rewatched all five of the How I Met Your Mother Thanksgiving episodes. They are in season one, we had A Belly Full of Turkey. In season three, we had Slapsgiving. In season five, we had Slapsgiving 2, Revenge of the Slap. In season six, we had Blitzgiving. And in season seven, the very last one, we had one called The Rebound Girl. All right, so Maureen, before we jump into the, the discussion of the particular episodes, I want to talk a little bit about our general impressions of a partial rewatch. I haven't seen any more than a few minutes of this show on TV since the show ended five years ago. What do you think of it now? Now that we're five years past its its ending. Yeah, so guys, I'm really sad to admit that this rewatching this just makes me feel old. And I Interesting. I know I'm not old old, but I'm in my mid thirties, solidly. And I just Why did it make you feel old? That's that was not because, my reaction. Because it made me feel old because like we have a kid and we go to work and we come home and we like watch a TV show and go to bed. And this is these are people in their like early to mid to late 20s who are like not attached and going out all night drinking. I mean, like several of the episodes, especially like Blitzgiving was about like, you know, leaving the bar early and like everything you miss out on. And I was like, oh my gosh, all I could think of the entire episode was like how bad my hangover would be. Like I wouldn't be able to function if I had a night like they had. And I never thought about these things the first time I was watching the show. And now that I'm quote unquote old, it's just not as relevant to the boring but wonderful life that I'm living right now. I mean, I used to go out with my roommates. Hi, Michelle, who's our VIP listener. Um, We used to go out all the time and like on weeknights. And now I just really enjoy being home in my sweatpants. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a different phase of life. Yeah, you know, someone would have to like pay me to go out on a weeknight now to like go unless you're going to the movie by yourself if i was going to the movie by myself that's different but i'm talking about to a bar to like hang out with a bunch of people it, it, it'd take a lot of money to get me out you know so you know it's interesting you say that about the show that was not what my reaction when i rewatched it my reaction was more about the show itself hmm. which is that i don't think it holds up particularly well it's kind of like doesn't really fit into this current wave of this like Me Too movement. Well, there's and, a lot of womanizing yeah, on Barney's part. I don't remember it being In a joking that much. manner, but that wouldn't fly now. No, and, and it just felt a little bit off color. And maybe maybe it's the that these particular episodes were not the funniest in the bunch of all 208, but I didn't find myself laughing out loud at a lot of these. There were definitely some moments that I remembered being funny and they were funny, but for the most part, you know, it's a traditional sitcom. It has a laugh track or they it was done in front of a live studio audience. So whatever the case may be, I don't know. It just felt very sort of old school to me. And it felt very much out of the time that we're living in right now, which is interesting because the show only ended five years ago in 2014. And the last one of these... But the last season was bad. The last season was bad. But the last episode of these thanksgiving ones was season seven which is 2012 so we're not talking about that long ago but it just felt like an entirely different yeah, it was world and it was interesting thinking about it compared to friends because that felt of a different world as well but it, it felt different it felt like in a time capsule almost this mm -hmm. one felt you know because it was shot in hd and it felt you know like th they're wearing clothes that we wear today that it felt of this time but the content itself didn't feel like it fit in 2019. i totally see that so i i enjoyed some of it but a lot of the stuff every episode you know featured some sort of sex joke or something like that a lot of them and everyone that came up especially when it came to the character of barney who as i mentioned is sort of like a womanizer and lothario type character he's written to be completely over the top like so offensive that like it's not realistic quote unquote it's definitely not realistic that they would be friends with him you know like he's not a great guy but every time he would do like uh, he would say something or in in that vein it just sort of made me cringe a little bit. And I was kind of like, this isn't very comfortable to watch anymore. I don't know if that would hold up better if you were doing a straight rewatch of all the episodes. I don't remember what he's like in every episode, but I'm pretty sure that most of it is talking about like how many girls he's been with and and how can he impress the next woman at the bar. And I'm pretty sure that's most of his storyline throughout the entire series. So I don't know if that would particularly hold up. I will say that one of the things that I think is best about How I Met Your Mother that I do think holds up is they balance the comedy and drama aspect really well. So when there are serious moments, I think that they handle those pretty well. And I think they're pretty moving as well. So there are a couple of things that are not in these particular episodes, but do come up later in the series that I think are handled really well in terms of like dramatic moments. And I think that's actually where the show is best. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, when I was watching it live, I don't remember watching it for the dramatic moments, but I think in hindsight that's probably what holds it together the best yeah all right maureen so what which of these five was your favorite of the episodes um i'm gonna have to go with slapsgiving so the very first slapsgiving episode so to set this up for those that don't know in the second season there was a bet between the characters of marshall and barney and barney lost the bet the bet was what they called a slap bet so 
when Barney lost the bet, Marsha was allowed to slap him five times. And this sort of like played as out- As hard as he can. Right. This sort of played out slowly over the course of the entire series. But the very first episode dedicated to, quote unquote, a hard slap to the face was this slapsgiving episode. So Marshall tells Barney that he's going to use one of his five slaps on Thanksgiving. And like saying the premise out loud, it's absurd, but it does make for some really good comedy. So I will say this was my favorite of the Thanksgiving episodes, but it's not. So like I actually have a hard time with the slap itself because I have very close friends. And even if I had won some kind of ridiculous bet, I don't think I could slap someone as hard as I possibly could, let alone like torture them for an entire day, like, you know, leading up to the slap. But the reason that I picked this as my favorite episode is because after the slap, Marshall sits down at the piano to play his slapsgiving song and Barney harmonizes with him. And it is just a moment of like genius TV in my mind. Yeah. So Jason Siegel, for those that don't know, he wrote and starred in a movie called Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where he also did a lot of like humorous singing in that. So if you've seen that movie, this is similar to that. If you haven't seen this episode, I would say that my favorite episode was the Blitzgiving episode because I was watching this episode and the whole premise of this episode is that if you leave early, you're bound to miss something great. And, you know, they, they flash back to the time when Marshall and Ted, our main characters were in college and they had a friend um, that they call the Blitz and it's played by Jorge Garcia, who um, you may best know from Lost. He played Hurley on Lost. And basically this guy, he always misses out on things. So he leaves and then he misses out on something great. So a great party or a great moment. And the whole episode is how this character comes back into their life and the character of Ted now becomes the Blitz. He is the one who misses everything. I just found this episode really fun and interesting, and it was pretty like lighthearted throughout the most, you know, most of the episode. But there was a guest character in the episode who plays a bigger part in that season, and she had a really nice backstory as well that they get into in the episode. So I thought it had a good balance of comedy and drama, and that's why I like that one. All right, Maureen. Least favorite of the Thanksgiving episodes. I think my least favorite one was the very first one, the belly full of turkey. And that the whole premise of that is that the character of Lily is going to visit Marshall's family for the first time. Mm-hmm. And she thinks she might be pregnant. And so, you know, the, I don't love that they had so many like guest stars. And one of the things we talked about with our friends Thanksgiving episodes is they're at their best when all of the characters are together. And in this very first one called A Belly Full of Turkey, they are split up. Which is probably more realistic. It is definitely life. more realistic, but it doesn't make for as good a TV moment, right. I don't think. Because Marshall and Lily go home to Marshall's Minnesota parents' house. Right. So that, for me, is my least favorite. I also think that the show is still finding its footing at that point. I think it's the ninth episode in the first season, so they're still trying to find their mix of comedy and drama, and, and I just don't think they quite had it yet. I will say, though, funny moment in that one when Barney and Robin and Ted are at the homeless shelter giving out food and barney is like employee of the month and uh, there's volunteer of the year volunteer of the year there's some funny moments there there are there are but i I just for me that one doesn't hold up quite as well i don't love the one with lily's dad yeah that was slaps giving to revenge of the slap yeah it's just that's one where they're trying to touch on like a much mm, more serious topic lily has this horrible relationship with her father and marshall invites him over and there's a lot of you know, tension there. I just think that they end up handling it not in the, I mean, they're trying to be a little bit more poignant here, but I don't think they hit the nail on the head. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because what do you think that the friends, so I think we're probably in agreement that the friends Thanksgiving oh gosh, so episodes much are, are much more fun. Yes. They're better. But 
I think one of the things that makes that the case is that when Friends had a guest star in their Thanksgiving episodes, they tended to be like a really good guest star. So Brad Pitt was is a good example of right. that. Sometimes when they brought in guest stars in these Thanksgiving How I Met Your Mother episodes, they just fell flat. Like, they were lame. To your point, the character of Lily's dad is just not that good of a character. And Marshall's family in the in the first season, they're not that great of characters. I'd say the exception to that is the character of Zoe, who is in the sixth season episode, Blitzgiving, and Jorge Garcia. Those are two pretty good guest stars. But beyond that, like I, I just I feel like the guest aspect of it when you're going to bring someone on which is a big deal for marketing purposes and getting people interested who might not watch the show they they sort of fall flat on that yeah i would totally agree with that last thing before we wrap this up do you have an mvp of the thanksgiving episodes is there someone of the main five people who stands out to you as your favorite character um i'm gonna say i'm between lily and marshall but I'm going to go ahead and say Marshall just because he always brings a little levity to it. Um, that's his character's MO in general. Lily's my runner up because that poor girl cooks every year and no one ever acknowledges her food. Like they're all running around being like, you know, lame or jerks or out. And Lily's always trying to like make a nice Thanksgiving. And I don't think that gets acknowledged. I might surprise you here. I'm going to go with Robin. I actually really? find her moments really funny. Like, I am not, I, I was not the biggest Robin fan throughout the entirety of the show, but I actually thought that she did a really good job in all of these episodes. All right, Maureen, that will do it for our premiere topic this week. And we wanted to do this a little bit in advance of Thanksgiving so that if you were interested in going back and watching these, you can. And let us know if you have favorite Thanksgiving episodes, whether they're like all in one, you know, sitcom or if it's, you know, a Thanksgiving movie or special that you like like let us know yeah and if you want to watch the how i met your mother episodes they are all available on hulu if you have a subscription to that go ahead and check it out maureen our premiere topic next week is going to be something fun you and i have been checking out disney plus a little bit which just launched last week mm -hmm. and one of the things that we found out was on there were all of these disney channel original movies guys josh has never seen xenon girl of the 21st century i have we not we will be fixing this so i thought we would start a new little series that we'll do from time to time on the podcast and that is tentatively titled it's a terrible title but it's called like the disney channel original wheel spin so what we're going to do is we're going to have a wheel with six disney channel wheel original disney. movies wheel of disney okay we'll do wheel of disney and we have six Disney Channel original movies that I have just plucked from the list right now, and I'll read you what those are, and then we're going to spin the wheel, and whatever it lands on, that's the movie we're going to watch and talk about the following week. So that gives you an idea if you want to follow along with us, or if you just want to listen blind, that's also fine. So Maureen, on the wheel for the first week here, we have six choices. We have- Xenon. Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. We have Smart House. So good. We have Quince. You remember that one? Ooh, I don't. Where the girl's mom has five kids and she has to help take care of them. We have a movie called The Color of Friendship, which I've never seen, but is pretty highly rated on Disney Channel original movies. Is that movies. the one about apartheid? Is it? I don't know. There, I, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I just know that there was one that like tackled be. some pretty big issues. Okay. Well, maybe that one will come up. We have Brink. You remember Brink? Sure do. And then we have a movie called Johnny Tsunami. You remember Ooh, that one? Yeah. Go big or go home. Okay. So we're going to spin the wheel here. And whatever it lands on will be the movie that we are discussing in our premiere topic next week. Do you have one you wish comes up? Xenon. I mean, 
it, it if it doesn't come up this week, the the five that that are still on there will remain, and then we'll add a sixth one to it for the next time that we spin. Okay, ready for the spin? Yes. Okay. Oh, he made a wheel. Oh, Maureen. Is it Xenon? It is Xenon. Shut the front door. I'm Girl so excited. Girl of the 21st century. Zetus Lapidus, everybody. It's I happening. I've never seen this movie, so Maureen and I will be watching Xenon. Girl, is it Girl of the 21st century? It sure is. And we will be talking about that in our premiere topic next week. So it's sort of also like a Josh's first time. Zoom, zoom, zoom. You make my heart go boom, boom. My supernova girl. All right. So we will be taking Xenon off the wheel and adding something else next time. Maybe something like High School Musical, which is also a Disney Channel original movie. That's true. There are lots of That feels lots like a choices. second generation. Okay. Like- All right. We'll, we'll add only first generation for now. But there we go. Xenon girl of the 21st century Very will be our excited. premier topic next week. Maureen, before we wrap up this episode of the podcast, let's do our teasers. Do you want to kick things off this week? Yeah. Mine is Queer Eye in Japan. So I've mentioned the Netflix series um, Queer Eye before that I really like um, about five gentlemen doing makeovers, but not only physical makeovers, kind of spiritual and emotional makeovers on people too. And in this season, they are in Japan and it's really cool. There's some really cool cultural differences that they explore and it i've just found it really fascinating so check it out all right my teaser this week is a new band that i just discovered thanks to the spotify feature discover weekly which pretty much takes what you've been listening to and suggests things that are similar in style and this past week they suggested something to me that i actually really liked and it is a band called hush kids wake when i wake i will just lay here and wait for the sun They're sort of like acoustic indie rock, and I really like a lot of their music. They only have one album out. They just came together. It's a guy and a girl who were sort of paired together as a songwriting team at first, and then they came together to form a band. I really like their music. I like their singing together. Their harmonies are really beautiful, and so I highly recommend it. If you need some chill-out music, they're really, really good. They're called Hush Kids. I will link their Spotify page in the show notes of this episode. All right, Maureen, that will do it for this week. Thank you so much for a great episode. All right, love you, honey. We'll talk to you next week. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash poppedcast. We would love to hear from you. You can also reach us by emailing thepoppedcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe, rate, and review our show on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.